And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jay Wall and Gene, that's all you're going to get this week. Just the two amigos. You know, Gene, I would ask if you missed me because I was gone last week on vacation, but I already know the answer to that one. Of course you did. I, I always miss you, man. You're the herder of cats. I mean, there's no one like you, you know? I mean, you, you got you to gotta keep us all in line. So, um, but, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad, uh, glad you got a little time off and uh, hopefully got your head cleared and ready to get back to the madness. Yeah, it was, it was a nice week off. Went to Maui with the family. And and had some some really, I needed the downtime, and it was great to get a chance. We went scuba diving diving with our uh, our oldest daughter for the very first time. That was a cool experience. And um, deep sea fishing, very cool. Yeah, deep sea fishing with our with our son on Father's Day. That was a lot of fun. And, wow, uh, kids kids learned how to kids learned how to surf. For the first time, yeah, it's just cool trip, cool trip. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed. It. Didn't bring, didn't bring the sticks with me, although it was a big tease. We went and had dinner one night up at Kapalua, and you know, you're sitting there at, you know, at the golf course in the clubhouse having dinner overlooking eighteen and one, and you're going, oh man, this is very tempting, tempting to want to go out and play a, a late night, late night nine. So. So sometimes I, you know, I like to try, I, I love to play golf, but I love to kind of separate myself from golf a bit, like I said too. And it was funny when I was in Norway, RB was really nice. And I don't know how he told some friend of his who, um, lives in Oslo. And so this guy reached out to me on Instagram and he's like, Hey, if you want to squeeze in a quick round and while it was tempting, I was like, man, you know, golf in Norway would be cool, but hiking, um, uh, you know, all these amazing, you know, fjords is even cooler. So yeah. I hear you. You, you need you to know. get away from golf. Like we spend a lot of time around it and people probably roll their eyes when we say that, but it is nice to, to get away from it and just do something else. So, yep. Agreed. All right. Well, there is a lot to talk about this week, but we're going to try and condense it to a couple of very fun topics. Let's kick things off with, and I can't believe this. Let's kick things off with the hottest golf club in the professional ranks. That would be a, a putter that's a decade old. And I love these because I love chaos. Anybody that listens to this pod knows that. I love chaos. And this putter, that would be Odyssey's Versa Jailbird, the putter that Ricky Fowler uses. Wyndham Clark used to win the U.S. Open. Keegan Bradley used to win the Travelers. You had back-to-back wins from Wyndham and Keegan with this putter. And you could sense that things were starting to trend upward for the Versa Jailbird. And then it was Wyndham's win that certainly, kind of what I called in an article I wrote for Golf.com, it broke the dam. Then when Keegan won, it was it was full-on interest from a large majority of tour pros who were struggling with their putters. But, you know, the cool part about this story is the fact that it is 10 years old. So you got to go all the way back to, to 2013 when, when Versa was initially introduced. And for those that aren't familiar with the Versa line, it's those perpendicular white and black lines on the back of the putter head that are going to help with alignment. And it was 
it was a massive win for Odyssey when they introduced that because a lot of pros went to it and they're like, wow, this is great. It's better than an alignment line, better than a sight dot. I can see the visual on the top. It helps me track the ball to the hole. And they actually ended up bringing back Versa this year, thankfully. And then, of course, it's a putter from the Versa line that's not in the current one that ends up being this, this red-hot putter. So the I talked to Joe Toulon from Odyssey, and he told a great story about how you know, he was cleaning out the truck in January and Joe is one of Callaway's heads of tour, but he also used to be an Odyssey rep. And so he's cleaning out the drawers on the truck and he happened upon a single Versa jailbird head. And he thought, you know, I'm just going to leave it on here. Versa's coming back. It, you know, it's a 10 year old putter, but Hey, who knows? And that was the one that Ricky Fowler ended up using. And then of course, Ricky went on a great run and had some really strong putting performances. And then that was the impetus behind a lot of other guys, Wyndham Clark included, going back to the putter. And the the fun thing about these putters from the past that that end up like having a reemergence out on tour is it leaves the equipment manufacturers with this massive conundrum of like, what the hell do we do? <laughs> do you do you just let it stay out on tour? Because a lot of regular golfers were asking for this putter. I mean, I was getting DMs, Gene, from plenty of people who were saying, "What are we going to get this thing? Like, what's the deal?" I, you know, I'd look online. The putters were going for upwards of three thousand dollars on the secondary market on eBay, and everybody's capitalizing. Everybody's making money, and then finally, Odyssey figured it out because they were having trouble sourcing heads for pros. So it's like, well, if we can't source the heads for the tour pros, how are we going to get enough production out for the regular golfers? And they were able to come out with a limited version, a small batch of Odyssey Versa Jailbird. They're calling it the 380 putter. The 380 is for the the overall head weight of the putter, which is significantly heavier on Wyndham and Ricky's putters because they have a whole lot of lead tape on the bottom of the sole. But I just love this story because they, as we're recording on a Wednesday, they released the limited version and it it nearly crashed their website, Gene. Well, the, the, the thing that intrigues me is it's it's more philosophical. It's like, so this putter was released 10 years ago when did it lose its magic? You know, when did it, when did, you know, so tour players were playing with it 10 years ago, but it didn't stay magical for 10 years. At some point or another, it lost its magic and now it's having this resurgence and it just shows you. And I've always been, I, people ask me all the time, what's the best driver? What's the best iron? What's the best. And I can I can guide them, even the best golf ball. I can give them, and we'll talk about that later, you know, specific characteristics. Are you a high spinning or low spinning player? But when it comes to putters, I just shrug because I look at the There's no formula. There's no formula. But so I kind of look at it, it, I don't even look at it from a data standpoint. Now we have talked in the past about uh, perimeter weighted putters do have better, um, off center hit 
you know, dispersion and distance drop off. And those numbers are quantifiable and mallets sometimes have gear effect. And we've seen all of these different um, kind of physical performance characteristics based on the style and design of the putter. But all of that being said, you can't, it's just impossible to quantify who's hot and who's not based on the putter. And yet everybody does and they chase this and it's so wild. It's almost like social contagion but it's done on the pga it's not done with just you know chops hitting golf balls these guys are so insecure and they're so neurotic about you know the difference between success and not that they're willing to chase whoever's hot even though that putter might not lend itself to their stroke to their attack angle etc they just want to try it because people are winning with it and it's 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 almost like it's almost like rubbing the head of a gambler when he's on a on a <laughs> on a hot streak you know it's just it, no it, you're it, exactly right it, it, from my perspective i just sit there in awe and go wow i i i, I can't bring anything to the table like from an analytical standpoint so i just got to call it magic at this point you know cuz that's all you can do yeah no you Exactly. And you actually stole a little bit of my take, which was this putter might not work for some of the guys that are trying it, but they don't care. They have, they have to thoroughly vet the putter to, to confirm in their own mind that, okay, this putter is really hot out on tour, but it is not for me. Everybody yeah. does it. You've got to roll putts. Yeah. I even saw there were like four guys at travelers who were testing one. And, um, I think it was Kramer Hickok had one and it, it had the lead tape on the sole. I mean, it was just basically a carbon copy of Ricky and Wyndham's putter. And these guys will just like, they want to see because for, if for some bizarre reason, a putter that they would never consider ends up working, they've hit pay dirt. But yeah, more often than not, it's probably not something that's geared for them, but you have to. And these, the, the part that I love about this is that tour pros, they've reached the top rung of professional golf. You can't get any higher than the PGA Tour. And they are, they're so sure of their game because that's how they got there, that you have to have that confidence, that inner confidence. But yet at the same time, they're so fragile. It doesn't take much for yeah. a professional golfer to start to doubt themselves and go, God, what, what do I do? Do I, do I try this putter? Do I not? It's you know, guys are winning with it. I, you know, they, they all look at it. It's, it's just like all of us, you know, we're, we're all humans and we all see shiny things and somebody else has that shiny thing and it looks cool. And you wonder if it's something that you should have. It's, it's human nature, but I just, I love that it's, it's a putter. It's a 10 year old putter. That's the hottest club on the, on the PJ tour right now. Well, tell, tell me this in all your years, you know, going to events, you know, being on the range with all these guys, I'm sure you've overheard these conversations where whether it's an iron, a driver, a shaft, a ball, you know, tour pro A is talking to tour pro B or there's tour pro C and suddenly they're like, so, you know, what are you tipping that to? What's your loft? You know, they're, they're all looking for edges because they're seeing that this guy's driving the ball 10 yards further. This guy's, you know, leading in strokes gained. I mean, and, and they're all looking for those edges and what it sums up to me 
is, and this is the beauty and to be quite honest, job security of this, of this business that we're in equipment matters, you know, and it matters to the best players in the world. It matters to amateurs and they're always looking, they're always searching. And so therefore, you know, we're always going to have a job being able to provide information, you know, to everybody on that spectrum, uh, to give them that little bit of advantage that, that they're looking for. You know what else matters when it comes to your equipment? Could oh, a golf, golf grip. <laughs> hey, that was good. That was RB level good. So well, well I'm, done, my I'm man. I'm trying. I, I said that was, in our, that, that was yeah. really good. But seriously, you know, your golf grip does matter when it comes to to your overall build. When you're when you're building up a driver or a new set of irons or wedges, you need to pay particular attention to your golf grip. And you know, if you look at the numbers from the U.S. Open, ninety two percent of the field was using a golf pride model grip. I mean, that goes to show you that that golf pride is far and away the number one grip in professional golf. They have a incredible array of grips, everything from the, the CPX, which is going to be a bit softer for your hands, but still have that traction material. Um, I'm sort of like a, a BMX design on the grips, but putting that on a golf grip, there's the MCC, which is an incredibly popular grip. It's one that Rory helped popularize. Uh, there's the MCC plus four, the tour velvet align, the standard tour velvet, which is the one that I use. I mean, I could go on and on. Oh, I probably should mention the Tour Velvet, the Tour Tack, which is a tackier version of the popular Tour Velvet. They're, again, a crazy array of grips at Golf Pride. You should check it out at golfpride.com for the full complement of grips. As always, thank you to Golf Pride for sponsoring Fully Equipped. And if you want to pick up some new grips, do it with free shipping. Use promo code Fully Equipped, F U L L Y E Q U I P P E D at checkout to get free shipping on your next grip order. And thanks again to golf pride for sponsoring the pod. All right. Before we get into golf ball testing, which I know I've been teasing for, which feels like a month. I want to talk about one other putter, Gene. Yes. You're smiling because you know which one it is. So I got a text from the serial killer who, you know, he comes and goes. Uh, this this guy just lives the life, and I mean, he's he's incredibly busy. He sent us uh, his fitting sheet for for today, and he was fully packed, which is why he's not on the pod. Which, which which were all online fittings, by the way, which I found really fascinating. That is very fascinating. Yeah, I we'll, don't we'll I don't to, I don't we'll know how that works. That. We'll have yeah, to talk about that. I, I, Although I maybe know. maybe they fit. Maybe they did the fitting. They booked it online. Oh, so okay. That, that would be my thing. I can't imagine that he's doing online fittings like on his okay. Maybe like I maybe I misread that, but I yeah. kept seeing the online thing. And yes, it was like, I'm going to guess that somebody booked it online. That, that they're going <laughs> to be meeting him in person because if not, we would have to have a full on pod about yeah that, online that fittings. Would, that would <laughs> make that, more, that's a new one. That would make more sense in my luddite interpretation of what that <laughs> meant. So, and RB is in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage. And so he's not on the pod this week. I didn't mention that at the top, but there you go. If you're wondering where, where those two yahoos are, but in the group chat, serial killer sent us a photo of Nick Domingo, who is our instruction editor at golf.com. And Nick hasn't been here for that long. So I don't know his gear setup, but we were introduced to his 26 year old Northwestern putter 
And I'll be honest, Gene, I've, I've been in this industry now for probably, let's see, 13, 15 years. It's been, it's been a little while, but this, this putter is 26 years old, which I jokingly told Nick, I said, Hey, your putter is older than, than Tiger Woods, Scotty Cameron, Newport too. Like feel good about that, that you're still using this putter that he's basically from when he started playing golf. He's had it and he's kept rolling putts with this Northwestern putter. And I'd never heard of this brand before. And of course, leave it to Gene, who always seems to to know the history behind the gear. You you know Northwestern putters. I don't know if anybody out there is listening to the pod today going, Oh yeah, Northwestern. I know that one. Not the university. This is this is the putter brand. And I want you to tell this. There's some funny stories here that's gonna get a little, you know, borderline not safe for work, but let's, let's get a little bit of history on, on Nick's putter, this Northwestern brand, Gene. So Northwestern kind of a little bit of a lower end brand out of Chicago. Uh, I did work for them a little, you know, so I've been doing this 34 years. So, you know, I've tested everything under the sun, but the thing that I loved about Northwestern and you just don't get it as much anymore is they had these characters and one of the best characters was named Nat Rosasco and he was the owner of Northwestern and he was this old school Chicagoan and this buddy of mine who's a golf writer who is not on this podcast right now but I'm not going to I was going to say him. thank you for, for pointing that out <laughs> I, I am I was not around when Northwestern was around to be clear so this this story was so funny so this guy went out to interview interview him in chicago and uh you know he's going through the factory and he finally sits down and that's like so uh you good you good everything's good you, how are you enjoying chicago and he's like oh you know it's great he's like well you know we're gonna get you a steak dinner tonight and he's like well thank you very much and he's like well what hotel are you staying at and uh he tells him the hotel and he's like you want a hooker? We'll get you a hooker. Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, get him, get him a hooker. Get him a hooker for the evening. The guy's like, no, 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 no hooker. Steak dinner is just fine. He's like, are you sure? Jimmy, we'll get I you a hooker. I just want to get my story and get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Just, oh, I love the industry back then. It was just, it was filled with wise guys and rummies. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he was a, he was a legend. He passed away in about 2012, but you just, you gotta, you gotta Google Nat Rosasco. I mean, he's just, he's got this iconic look and he just was an old school Chicago businessman. And, you know, he made, he was around for a long time. And I mean, going back to like my dad's age and, um, you know, made solid stuff for, for quite a while. So when I saw that putter, of course, my mind doesn't go to the testing or anything. It goes to the hooker story. Cause I thought that was one of the greatest pieces of golf writing that never got, never got included in the <laughs> left on the cutting room floor for obvious reasons. <laughs> Did they just do putters? No, no, no. They did they irons. Did a they full did compliment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They did everything. Was he probably one of the biggest characters that you ever met during your time in the industry? Um, you know, there, there were so many, I mean, you know, Al Jackson, AJ shafts, who's still around. He, I mean, you could just fill books with stories. He would just have me side splitting, laughing. Um, I, I, I it, every, 
you know, back then, you got to remember it was a cottage industry. Now, Northwestern was kind of this established company, but a lot of these guys, you know, would start in like little incubators and they'd come up and, you know, it was a classic thing. Um, if these guys weren't in golf, they probably weren't qualified to have a job. You know? <laughs> so just had so many kind of interesting individuals and they were colorful and it made, it made life fun in the nineties. That was for sure. At some point we're going to need to do like a, a gene story time and just have you tell stories like this. You've told some of them on the pod before. Um, yeah, but yeah. They, I know there's you laugh because I know you've got a whole bunch, probably a lot that probably couldn't end up on the podcast. But yeah, and we'll get a few out of you. I know where a lot of the bodies are buried, and that's been an interesting one too. You know, seeing the progression. But anyways, yeah, it's 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 you know, I don't know. I I always I think it was growing up in Palm Springs really warped my perspective on life and. I tend to gravitate more towards the oddballs and the outliers because I find them much more entertaining. And so, um, you know, the industry definitely supplied those in the, in my formative years, it's become a bit buttoned up, which is fine as I get older, because I don't need to be around rummies and haywires as much as I was in my 20s. You already got your fill of them. I I already got my fill of them. So I'm good. All right. So, before we get to the ball testing that I know everybody's been waiting on us to go through the insights, I want to let you know that Fully Equipped is brought to you by a new sponsor. We have a second sponsor this week, Gene. Get excited. Hey, I, I got to tell you, big Sponsors thank you. Sponsors keep the lights on. Yeah. Big thank you to the swag that uh, our sponsor Callaway sent. Yeah, um, Callaway Apparel. Love the pullovers, wearing the pants, too cold to wear the shorts, but they look stylish. Uh, dig on the shirts. It's it's all very cool stuff. So thank you very much. Much appreciated. For sure. So as Gene mentioned, Fully Equipped is brought to you by our good friends at Callaway Apparel. Callaway makes apparel to excel at one thing, which is golf. The only thing we love here. They take pride in outfitting all golfers with the right style, comfort, and performance so they can feel and play their best. Did you know, Gene? I'm, I'm sure you didn't know this. Callaway Apparel is made by Perry Ellis. I did know is, it. Which is, which is a big name, so you know how good their apparel is. It's also packed with innovation. Callaway wouldn't let anything go out the door that doesn't meet their high standards, and the apparel is no different. You look at their you know, golf equipment, you look at their apparel, You know everything is done to the nines. And the cool thing about this stuff, and because people go, okay, well, what's it, what makes Callaway apparel different than you know, my, pullo- my pullover that I have in my closet or my golf shirts that I have? It has some really innovative tech. So you've got what they call swing tech, which is a seam construction around the shoulders that provides greater flexibility for more range of motion, which I honestly had never really considered, but it's it's such a genius idea because if you're playing golf, I mean, I know this time of the year right now, it's really hot, but if you're playing golf in the fall and you're out there taking swings, sometimes with your golf shirt and your pullover, it can get a little constricting. So no issues here with the thanks to Callaway's swing tech. The shirts also have what they call OptiDry, which is a moisture wicking technology to keep you cool and dry. I am wearing right here. It's well over 100 degrees in Texas, and I'm wearing one of these awesome shirts. It's a lime green. I love this one. It's got it's got a great design. It's got the little Callaway Chevron logos dotting the shirt. It's got a, a very cool look. And 
for those of you who are big on sun protection, the gear has UV block sun protection to help keep your skin safe. Cal apparel is actually um, approved by the Skin Cancer Foundation. It has their seal of recommendation, which is pretty cool. So no matter your favorite color, style, or pattern, whether you're traditional or bold, Callaway Apparel has you covered, including every fit and every size for men and women. And if you want to give Callaway Apparel a try, get 20% off, man, by just using promo code Cal, C-A-L-F-E for fully equipped, 20. So that's C-A-L-F-E 20 at CallawayApparel.com to get 20% off your order. It's pretty nice. So so a cool story. Um, I can't say what they tested, but it was interesting. Perry Ellis contacted me to test something about seven or eight years ago, and maybe let maybe six years ago. And uh, I ran a test for him. And as a thank you, they sent me a box of Callaway swag. And I was like, nice. whoa, I didn't, you know, I had no idea, you know, that they had that licensing agreement. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've worn it, you know, from quite a few years ago. So yeah, I was aware of it. And, you know, Perry Ellis is a, is a great designer. And so they, um, they've really put a nice imprint on the, uh, on the Callaway brand and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Golf ball testing. This was one of those things when we started going through what we wanted to test this year. You and I talked. We we did driver testing, and we we had done it the previous year. We wanted to make sure that was was the focal point, but we decided let's just let's just let it rip. And that I, all credit to Eugene. You know, you said we should we should do fairways, we should do hybrids, we should do irons, we should also do wedges, which I was like, eh, we were some great insights there. And then you said, let's do golf ball. And it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of golf balls out there. How do we figure it out? We we were able to narrow down the field to 40 golf balls, which is still a lot. And we had driver testing with with the golf balls, and then we also did a 50-yard wedge shot. And we learned a lot. And and this is what I love about robotic testing is there are always insights to glean in things that I don't think that I had really considered before. Like I always thought it was really important to to prioritize getting your driver optimized to your golf ball. And I think it is important because I want to start with driver here. But looking at the numbers, Gene, mm-hmm. you if you're gonna and this is so let me point this out. It's important to get fit for your golf ball. More than anything, we learned this, and especially with the wedge testing that we'll get to here in a little bit, it's very important to start around the green. But I was surprised that the numbers from from you know, let's say highest spinning to lowest spinning, highest launching to lowest launching, there there wasn't a huge delta there, which then makes me think, well, if you were gonna just just play whatever golf ball you you could probably do it and say oh yeah this golf ball's fine i mean i use it uh, it does well off the tee and that's good for me just based on the numbers it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of differentiation here where again as we get to the wedges you'll see there were some massive deltas there in in some of the categories so so it's interesting and i think part of it is i'm jaded because uh I, you know, normally when I test, I'll test four or five brands in a day and, and they're all usually the top brands. And, you know, you want to talk similarities. 
you know, sometimes we won't, we won't see much more than three tenths of a degree in launch and, you know, a couple hundred RPM in spin. But what was really fascinating about this to me was to do the 40 brands. Um, there were to me and now see it's, 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 it's just funny perspective wise. Like you're used to looking at robotic data, like our iron data. What was it? You know, 20, 30 yards difference, you know, massive launch and spin. And, and you're not going to see those huge differences, but still, um, what was exciting to me is you had a 600 RPM difference, roughly a little over 600 RPM in spin and about almost little less than a degree in launch. And what, what that says to me is if you're fine tuning your game. So if you're consistently at 27, 2800 and you want to get down to 2400, 2500, cause you're swinging at hundred miles an hour and you want to get another five, six yards out of the golf ball it's available out of the golf ball. If you get a ball that's a little less spinning, or if you need more spin because you're swinging slower and you're not quite getting enough lift, these balls are, there is a range that you can fine tune your game. And the, 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 the really fun part about this, and it's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle is you have to decide what is your ultimate priority? Is it driving distance or is it control around the greens? And that's why we provided both because you might find that you get the lowest spinning golf ball that gives you four or five yards more distance. But then when you look at the half wedge numbers, it doesn't necessarily provide you with the spin. So, you know, but there are some, there are some interesting balls in there that are higher uh, on the half wedge spin, but medium to lower on the, you know, driver spin, you know, to provide that both kind of having your cake and eating it too. Yeah. Again, we've, we've talked about that before being able to decouple spin at the top in the bottom. So, you know, that, and that hasn't been a thing years and years ago, but with the introduction of mantle layers and, and new internal cores and, you know, different covers that are able to react depending on how you're impacting, whether you're impacting the ball with a driver versus a wedge, it it's been a total game changer. And you know, if you look at the numbers and this is, this is something that I'm sure people are going to notice. So let's, let's talk spin right here. So the five highest spinning golf balls and, and just to point out, you can find all this is going to be releasing today as we're dropping the podcast, we're going to have all the insights up on golf.com. If you want to go check out those stories, there's one that goes through all the different categories. We highlighted the five highest spinning, lowest spinning, highest launching, lowest launching for, for driver and for the 50 yard wedge shot. But I noticed here, Gene, and we ran this with the robot at 95 miles an hour. And you see that Taylor mates TP five, the TP five X, the pro V one X and the RB tour X from Mizuno were you know, those are the top five high spinning golf balls. And I'm sure there's some people out there that are going to see that. And they're going to say, well, those golf balls are designed for higher swing speed guys. So of course they're going to, there's going to be more spin. That's going to be imparted on the golf ball. And the rates are going to be higher just simply because you're not, you're not hitting those golf balls. Like they should be hit. It's, it's for a high spin golfer. I mean, what would you say to that for those people who might be trying to, to poke holes in running a test? on those golf balls at 95. 
So we run these tests, um, you know, everywhere from 130 miles an hour down to 60 miles an hour to give you an idea historically. And for the most part, these numbers track that, you know, if a ball's spinning the most at 95, it will spin the most at say 120. And it will also spin the most at, um, uh, 60. Now what can change a little bit are the aerodynamics that, you know, a certain ball, its trajectory, its descent angle, which is from the peak trajectory coming down and for maximum distance with the driver, you want a flatter descent angle. Those things can change, um, slightly with higher speeds, but for the most part, the latter usually stays the same. Um, now the other thing that's really important to remember in this is even though you've got like the top five, when you go to the top 10, the difference is 150 RPM. So some of that is lost in the noise, to be perfectly honest with you. And then you go to the top 20 where... Where it gets interesting is if you separate the top 20 from the bottom 20, and then you can start to see something that's statistically significant. Um, but, you know, the, there are there are 10 or 15 golf balls that are within 150, 200 RPM that, um, you know, will all perform very similarly. So it's almost like lumping the balls in bigger categories as opposed to individual one versus the other. Um, but the second thing that I think, you know, to touch on that you, you discussed the big takeaway from this test without a doubt is the difference in construction materials really matters from a performance standpoint. hundred percent. If you look at just here for drivers, the, the highest spinning golf balls. And again, that we're not, when we say highest spinning, the, the difference between the, the lowest spinning and the highest spinning was 600 RPMs. So it, it's not, it's not a significant number, but the higher spinning golf balls here were the ones with the urethane cover mm -hmm. and the lower spinning golf balls, it's, which, which it was what you would expect. The lower spinning golf balls are the golf balls typically with the ionomer covers, which is going to yep. be firmer. They're more distance-oriented golf balls. You would expect those golf balls to have lower spin weight, spin rates based on the construction, based on the cover material. And that's what we're seeing from here is, you know, urethane is designed to be softer. It's designed to spin. Even if you're a high, you know, even if you're a high swing speed guy, you're going to see some spin and that's what you need. Because at the end of the day, if you're, let's say you're somebody who struggles to generate spin. If you do, you're going to need a golf ball that's going to help add spin because the only way to maximize distance off the tee is through hang time, carry, however you want to call it. That's very important. And adding spin, trying to, to find that perfect balance is the best way to get consistent carry yardages throughout the bag, whether it's with the driver or the irons, the wedges. It, it's so important. Well, and, and interestingly enough, and we'll get into it in a second, but there's also, you know, a pretty strong correlation between low driver spin and low half wedge spin. So, you know, and I mean, to the point of, you know, some of these golf balls, uh, less than 50% or greater than 50%, I should say, you know, and so 
you're gaining a little bit off of the driver, but you're really getting penalized, you know, holding greens and, um, you know, flying that ball in. So, you know, without a doubt, it's uh, this, this primer on golf balls should be utilized. You know, your first question is what is the most important aspect of my game? And then look at golf balls that give you the best performance advantage for your top priority um, as far as your game is concerned, you know, in regard to scoring. Yeah. Looking at launch angle, I, I wanted to get your take on this. Mm-hmm. So the difference in launch angle between the highest and lowest launching was less than one degree. Yep. Which is to me, and maybe I'm wrong here. I mean, you're the expert in the room. I'm I'm just a lackey who tries to to keep the kids in line on a podcast. But I look at that number and I think, how is that possible? How is it possible that all these golf balls are are within less than one degree of each other, yet they all have, you know, some of them have ionomer covers, some of them have urethane covers, some of them are five piece golf balls, some of them are are you know three piece or two piece golf balls. How how is that possible? That the that the difference in launch could be so tight, and then it also leads me to go. All right, with the driver, I'm just telling this to people that are listening. It's more again, as Gene mentioned, incremental improvements. You're not going to see these these game changing numbers by switching golf balls. It's it's more about trying to get incremental improvements to add additional distance. But the bigger changes, in my opinion, would be if you could find the right shaft and, and driver head. That's where you're really going to be able to find the the biggest bang for your buck, and then from there, you can try and find a golf ball that fits your driver. Maybe maybe well, get you a little bit less spin or or more spin if you need it. So so to answer your first question, um, the the major deltas in launch angle don't really activate until two things. Number one, you get an angle that is. Um, enough that the ball starts gripping and number two that you get grooves that start gripping the golf ball so we really don't see these golf balls activating and getting big deltas until probably seven eight irons even and then obviously the wedges and and we'll get into that in a second in you know the wedge category you know we're talking eight degrees difference versus one degree difference and so so it really is a function of the cover grabbing into the grooves and also um the construction internally activating as well and both of those things really start to you know it's kind of funny um we're at 95 miles an hour with the driver and we only get one degree of difference. We're at 50 miles an hour with the wedge and we get eight degrees of difference in launch angle. And it's just simply a function. The golf ball construction dictates how, how it, um, you know, how it launches, but with drivers, this is what we've always seen historically is that everything is pretty close from a launch perspective, but I I would make the argument you know, that, that 600 RPM spin to your point, club head, number one, without a doubt, shaft, number two, ball, number three. But when you add all three of them up, you can have massive differences and that's, and that's, what's really interesting. So even though you're only changing the ball to 300 RPM, if you're changing it by two or 300 RPM with the shaft and maybe 800 RPM with the um 
uh, with the head, now you've got a bit, you know, you've got up to 14, 1500 RPM. So you could be at say 4,000 and get down to 2,500 by, by changing all three. So there are massive gain. And, you know, if you're swinging at a hundred miles an hour, that is a huge, huge increase in distance, you know, that, that, that you could be afforded. So, uh, the way to look at it is each individual piece. Now the, the head will give you the biggest, but the other two can add up and the combination can be massive. Yeah. And you just nailed it, which is you need to realize that it's each part plays a role. So yep. you just, if you have a golf ball that you currently play that you like, for whatever reason, maybe it's the feel, maybe you like the flight of that golf ball. Maybe it's just one you found and it's for whatever reason you've been shooting lower scores with it, then stick with that golf ball. When you go for a fitting, people ask all the time, where should I, you know, how do you do golf ball fitting? Golf ball fitting is tough, Gene, because, you know, I always suggest finding a, like a proper range, you know, hit, hitting off mats is, is fine. You can, you can do it, but you, especially when it comes to wedges, you just want to make sure that that feel and the way the, the clubs interact in the turf and that feel you're getting, you know, the only way to really do that, unless you can find a range and then hit balls into a net and have a launch monitor, or you can go really early in the morning, I had suggested one time. And if you can, you know, hit some shots out there in the, in the you know, the club, and maybe they'll let you go pick your balls up. I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It is really difficult. Uh, a fitter is the best way to go because they'll be able to help you figure out some good options. Ballfitting.com, which is also known as Ballnamic is another great place to go to. If you don't have a fitter nearby, I would suggest them, but yeah, it's, it's certainly important the, the golf ball. I don't want to belittle it when it comes to the driver. It does play an important role, but it's more about that incremental change that I think well, you're going to see. You, you, you touched on something, which, which I agree with is it's hard and it's hard unless you're a single digit, which most of us aren't handicapped, um, to be consistent enough. Whereas, you know, I say, uh, 600 RPM is significant. That, that could be the difference between two shots of an amateur golfer, you know, or, I mean, they could hit 800 RPM. So like, you know, being able to define, oh, I need to lower my spin by 300. They're like, I'm just trying to make contact on the face, you know? Right. So, but here's, here's what I recommend is, and it's an old school, simple way of doing it. And every pro shop has it. Every golf retailer has it. Just buy a sleeve, buy a sleeve of these golf balls that they intrigue you and go out and play three with three balls, yep. you know, for 100%. nine and, and and then flip and play another sleeve with nine. And if you're out there and there's nobody behind you, drop a couple of ball A and then ball B and, and hit a Around couple shots in and, yep. and, and see what, you know, because a lot of it is going to be, uh, and I talk to golfers about this all the time and my head on almost explodes because you know, like, I swear this ball's 15 yards longer than that one. I'm like, not going to happen, you know, or this yeah. ball spins so it's much more than that. In that case. It, it, but it's confidence in the golf ball. And that confidence creates this sense that they feel like they can swing smoother and that the ball's going further or that it holds greens. And I remember personally, I, you know, hit one OB, I was pissed off and I just grabbed one out of my bag and I dropped it. And I'm not going to name the brand, but I hit it and I swear I flushed it and I watched that ball do something that, uh, that it shouldn't have done. 
and I never played one again. Just like I lost confidence in that brand immediately because I knew that I hit it. So I get it personally. It's like you have to have confidence in the golf ball in order to execute, but just grab a sleeve, you know, take a look, read these things and you can go out and it'll cost you 15 bucks for a sleeve, you know, buy two or three sleeves and, or the other thing you can do, take those two or three sleeves around the chipping green and just chip, chip, chip your 30, 40 yard shots and see which ones hold the green better. See which ones that you like, because believe it or not, that's exactly what tour players are doing. Exactly. That's that's where they start their testing. They started around where they start their testing and that's the majority of their testing. So you can have access yeah, a launch monitor is great. A fitting app is great. A a fitter is great. But you can go old school and and get to a point. All the balls on this list are great golf balls. It, some great of them golf have balls dip- for depending on your on your needs. Yes, exactly. But if you want to have confidence you have to go out and test them yourself because that's going to be the the be all and the end all at the end of the day for sure all right so we go from having numbers that are fairly tight from ball speed to launch to to spin rate to some wild swings with the wedge and you mentioned that this this is more due to the fact that the wedge grooves are are grabbing this cover or not grabbing the cover as we found on some of them and we start with the most staggering number here. I remember when you sent these numbers to me and I had to do a double take because the difference in spin rate on a 50-yard wedge shot. Now, these are important shots. Anything under inside 100 yards is a critical shot. These, these are shots that are going to save you strokes. So you need to know how your golf ball is going to react. The difference in spin was just over 3,300 RPMs between the highest spinning and the lowest spinning. I mean, did that does that number ever surprise you, Gene, when you see that no. after going through the robot data where it's like, oh my gosh, there's that big of a gap between between spin rates on just a, a simple 50-yard wedge shot? No, and it a lot of it, as we've already touched on, comes down to construction. And basically, golf balls leave one of two ways. A urethane golf ball leaves with a lower launch angle and a higher spin reaching and what's really interesting about what i'm going to describe here both of them reach the same apex or peak height that's the wild part is they both reach the same peak height but they reach it completely differently a urethane golf ball starts low spins high and comes down soft a um uh serlin golf ball uh launches high spins low and then comes down and so um, they both reach the same peak, but one of them comes down with a lot less spin than the other. And so it's not going to, it's just simply not going to hold the green. The other aspect to a urethane golf ball that tour players love, and it's not only the half wedge, it's the wedge, it's all the way up to say the eh, six iron, maybe even five iron is because they launch lower, they cut through the wind better. And tour players like to control wind as much as possible. And they don't like to throw a ball up there too high because the wind is a variable that they can't control. So they like a golf ball that goes out low, cuts through the wind. And so even if uh, a Sterling golf ball had the same spin characteristics, they would probably trend more towards the urethane golf balls because the lower 
launch, cuts to the wind, and them a little bit more control. Yeah. I do want to point out, as we're talking about a 3,300 RPM difference between the highest and the lowest, you know, it is a it is a staggering number. But if you look at the 40 golf balls, 31 of them had a spin rate of, of at least 6,000 plus on the 50-yard wedge yep. shot. So a large majority of the golf balls out there, as you mentioned, the Sterling golf balls are going to be the ones where you're going to see less spin because they are, they're more distance oriented golf balls and you, you know, you're pulling levers at that point. And the reason you're pulling levers is because Sterling golf balls are, are going to be in a lower price point. You get, you get what you pay for. And I, I've yeah. always said this, you know, people complain all the time about, oh man, the game is so expensive. The golf balls are so expensive is, you know, I'm just going to go just grab a ball. Well, you know, yes, it's, it's showing you here that 31 of the 40 golf balls we tested have have a, a pretty good good spin rate. You're going to see green side spin. You're going to see spin off a 50-yard wedge shot. But if you're not willing to pay for it, that's fine. But just realize that, you know, some of the balls on this list, they just don't spin. And they are a cheaper golf ball. It's cheaper to, to produce because you're not having to add in these different layers and trying to find ways to decouple spin at the the top end and the bottom end of the bag. So one of the one of the myths I'd like to kind of debunk here is and I hear this one all the time is oh I I can't play that golf ball because I don't swing at 120 miles an hour or I'm not a single digit handicap. And what I can say to that without a doubt and this 50 yard shot is a classic example we all hit 50 yard shots and even the worst golfers hit a decent 50 yard shot every once in a while. The big question is, is your game, do you feel your game warrants this piece of equipment? Because this piece of equipment will perform for your game and it will perform for it on a pitching wedge. Even if you swing slower, it will perform on a half wedge. These urethane golf balls will give you an advantage. The big question is, is that advantage uh, considered, um, necessary for your game at this point, if you're barely making contact, eh, let's, let's go with the cheaper golf ball and start working on lessons and things like that. But once you start having consistent contact for me, about a 15, 16 handicap and below, you can seriously look at your thing, golf balls, because they will hold more greens. They will be a little straighter. They will be a little bit more consistent. And there's, uh, there's also, um, spin consistency that we haven't talked about, which is really interesting. And that's that the, um, the range. And so the high to the low, so we test 10 golf balls, each type. Um, when you test urethane golf balls off of a wedge, they have a very tight tolerance for launch and spin. When you test Serling golf balls, that tolerance almost doubles and it's called slippage. That's the way it's defined in the industry. And it's just an inconsistency the way the ball grabs on the club face. What that means is you might get, let's say that you're spinning 10,000 um, with the urethane golf ball. You might be spinning 8,000 with a Serling golf ball, but you might get one that spins 5,000 that's a flyer. And it's the same golf ball, same contact. And we see it on the robot all the time. So you're going to get a more consistent product. You're going to get a more consistent flight. And you're going to get the benefits of all of these kind of green side control um, with all these different clubs from a you know six iron on up. The big question is, 
Is your game ready for that, that you can start scoring better because of that? And if you can, I would strongly recommend looking at a urethane-based product at that point. Yeah. Speaking of the difference between urethane and Serlin, look at the the launch angle here. Uh, you know, mm. eight eight degrees. Yep. Which is again significant from from top to bottom. You're seeing that the you know I would say more of the tour level products. Your your Shrixon Z Stars or the Z Star Diamond, your Pro V ones. You know those golf balls have a lower launch coming off a 50 yard wedge shot versus a golf ball like the the Mizuno RB566 which had you know if you, if you look at the numbers here one had a 38 degree launch and one had a 30 degree launch you know yep. tour pros and typically want want something launching and coming in lower because they're trying to control it they don't want on a 50 yard shot they're not looking for something that's going to fly high in the air they want to be able to hit something that's going to check and you know, trundled to the hole, as I call it, or check and stop, but they, they want to be able to flight that shot in there. And we've seen that with wedge technology, you know, being, being able to create wedges that have a higher CG to be able to, to help flight that golf ball. And I think it's also important to point out, like we've talked about, um, the Delta in the top, say 20, 25 golf balls is less than a degree. It actually is right right at a degree. So, so once again, all of the, you know, yes, we did get the top five, but the Delta is, you know, less than a degree. So, you know, if you look at, you know, the totality of these golf balls, most of the urethane golf balls with this half wedge from a launch perspective are all launching, you know, very, very similar. They are. And again, that's, that is very important to to talk about because we're just, highlighting the top five some people might say why are you doing the top five um i would say our 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 data is proprietary and we're trying to offer up insights and we do highlight this we do highlight the fact that even though there might be an eight degree difference um there were two golf balls i guess three that had 37 and above launch on the 50 yard shot but but as gene mentioned a lot of them had anywhere between 30 degrees to to 31.8 if you're talking like shirts on z star was at 30.61 and uh the wilson staff model was the last one at 31.86 so just over a degree difference so those that's what you're looking at but mm-hmm. the we just want to point out the importance of just knowing your golf ball know what you are are playing don't just pick up a, a random golf ball start around the green find i mean the first time i talked to tiger woods about gear i asked him how he tests his golf ball and he said i always start around the green i start rolling putts i start getting a feel for for the the sound off the putter face if it checks that box then i'll start chipping with it i'll I'll hit some chips and then i'll start moving back from there but every every time i talk to a tour pro i do ask them how do you test your golf ball and i've not heard from one guy who said oh i start with the driver all of them say I start around the green. It's so important. I want to make sure that I have that feel. I want to make sure that I have that confidence to know that the golf ball is going to do what I need it to do. And then once I get there, then I work my way back. So that's that bottom line through all this, this testing, it is very important to know your ball. And if you do that, you know, the, the numbers aren't crazy enough to where you're going to, going to end up with a ball that doesn't work. It ultimately comes down to what feels right. What do you have confidence in? and 
you know, get fit for that golf ball, fit that ball to your golf clubs more than anything else. I will say here today, uh, that's the one thing that I want to stress the most, make sure that when you go in for fitting, you don't just hit whatever golf balls they have. If you're not a guy who, you know, if the, if the fitter you have is just has pro V one or pro V one X and you don't play pro V one or pro V one X, you know, you can hit that, but I would suggest bringing your own golf ball along to make sure that it's one, it's the right golf ball. Maybe the pro V one or pro V one X is a better option, but bring the ball that you typically play and use that and then see how it stacks up with the new equipment that you're testing. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. All right. So again, if you want more information on our robotic golf ball data, it's going to be up on golf.com and we still have hybrids to get to, which means that we'll have a little bit more robotic testing to talk about. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention as well, before we wrap up the pod, we have a couple of giveaways going on. I've got a giveaway. I am a lefty. So I finally decided to do a lefty giveaway over on my Twitter account at Jonathan R. Wall. If you want to get in on that, if you're a left-handed golfer, I am giving away a 34-inch TaylorMade TP Reserve mallet. So if that is something that is desperately needed in your golf bag, go retweet and be following my account. That's all you got to do. And then also on the fully equipped Twitter handle at fully underscore equipped on Twitter we are giving away one of Callaway's new CB wedges, 56 degree, right-handed, not left-handed, just so we're clear on that. Um, anyway, so we've got a couple of giveaways going on and we'll continue to keep doing more of those as the summer goes on and new gear comes out. And with that, it's a good time to wrap up episode 196, Fully Equipped. If you want more gear information, check us out on social handles. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped, as I mentioned, on Twitter, at Fully Equipped Golf. On Instagram, RB's been posting pictures from Detroit over on the Instagram account. If you want to see what kind of new gear is out there, he got uh, Ludwig uh, Aberg's golf bag. So we're going to have a bag spy with uh, with Mr. Aberg coming up soon on what he's currently playing. He's got a really fun setup. So be sure to check that out on golf.com here in the next week. That'll do it. Thanks as all for listening. Thanks.